You know, I'd like to start out this morning in uh, Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Jesus, if you know anything about him, he didn't get along very well with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, now did he? Always seemed to be problems between him and them. Uh, in Matthew 16, he does get into a little bit of a quarrel with some of them. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, it says, they came to Jesus and they said, we would see a sign from you. And they wanted to see Jesus perform a miracle or, or do something. They say, hey, let us see something, Jesus. Well, Jesus doesn't take kindly to that because Jesus isn't going to be reduced to some sort of magician or some sort of conjurer of cheap tricks. That's not what he is. So Jesus gets into a little bit of a quarrel with these guys, and he ends up departing. He leaves. He says, you know what, Let, let's get out of here. Uh, he didn't get along with these people very well. And as he was leaving, he has his disciples with him, his 12 disciples. And he warns his disciples. He says, guys, uh, be cautious of the leavening of the Pharisees. Now, the disciples, somewhat dim-witted, and be like me, I guess, like us, a little bit slow sometimes. The disciples think that Jesus is talking about them not bringing any bread for their journey. See, they would go out and do these ministry things, and the disciples this time must not have brought much or any bread with them. So they're thinking, great, here Jesus is getting on to us. He's talking about the leavening of bread. And, and Jesus picks up on this, and Jesus says, no, I'm warning you about the hypocrisy in the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, so that's the little bit of a background on Matthew chapter 16. It's not what I want to focus on. So then they're traveling. Jesus does goes through all these things. And then Jesus poses two questions to his group of followers, his disciples. Okay, and that's where we're going to pick up reading is these two questions that Jesus asks his guys. Okay, now these disciples, we're going to pick up in Matthew 16 verse 13. But before we read, remember the disciples had been with Jesus for a while. They had left the fishing nets or whatever, left their father or mother, and they went and they're disciples of Jesus. They've heard his teachings. They've heard his preachings. They've seen and observed the miracles that he can do. Now we'll start reading in verse 13. Remember, he asks a couple of questions, one of which I believe Jesus would pose to us today here in New Hope. Verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's the first question. And they said, Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, we'll stop there for a moment. That's the first question that he poses. Is he says, who, who do men, what are people saying about me? Who do they say that I am to his disciples? And his disciples are saying, yeah, some say John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah or some other prophet, something like that. Now, brothers and sisters, still to this day, the world all has their opinion on Jesus. Who he was, what he is, what he isn't. There's no shortage of commentary on who Jesus is, who Jesus was. Now, the world 
The Bible talks about there being mockers, there being scoffers, and there's all that. Still to this day, for the thousands of years that we had this knowledge of Christ, there's still mockers and scoffers. Jesus himself admits that the world hates him. Okay, Some people say Jesus was a good person. Some people say Jesus was a prophet. Some people say Jesus was a historical figure. Some people say Jesus was a, a, a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish teacher, a Jewish prophet. Some people say that Christ Jesus was a political rebel of his time. Some people say there was no Jesus. He didn't even exist. There's no shortage of commentary still to this day on men's opinions of who Jesus is. And Jesus says to his disciples, who do men say that I am? What are they saying about me? What's the world? What have you guys heard that they're saying about who I am? Oh, the world always has something to say about Jesus. There's never a loss for words from the world on who Christ is. But I don't believe that the Lord would have us be overly concerned with what the world says about him. He tells us himself, don't be surprised if the world hates you. They'll hate you because they hate me first. I don't believe the Lord would have us be overly concerned with their opinion of who Christ is. So let's move on to the next question that Jesus asked. This next question gets a little more personal. Matthew chapter 16 verse 15 says, He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am, Jesus says. You see, really, he asks them that first question just to set up for the second question. He says to them, Who do men say that I am? And they say, Well, some say this, some say that, some say this. But Jesus says, But, meaning he's just setting up that first question to get to the more personal question. He says, But, more importantly, who do you say that I am? Brothers and sisters, can you imagine those disciples sitting around Christ? Can you imagine staring into the eyes of Jesus, Him looking at you and saying, Who do you say that I am? I know the world says all this stuff. That's fine, whatever. They're always going to say their piece. But what I'm getting at is, Who do you say that I am? That's what I want to know. Who are you, who, what do you say that I am? Who am I to you? I believe the Lord Jesus asks us that this morning. Who is Christ to you? Who is He? Who is this man that offers hope? Who is this man that offers forgiveness? Who is this man that offers the rarest of commodities peace of mind? Who is He to you this morning? I believe Christ, if you can see it, is before every last one of us this morning saying, who am I to you? Jason, who am I to you? Tell me. Tell me your thoughts. Uh, who am I to you? I don't know if you can see it or not. I don't know if you feel him or not in your life, but I feel him every day. I feel him beckoning to me. Jason, I feel him. I don't know if you can see him. Maybe if you look close enough, Maybe he's standing in front of you today and saying, who am I to you? If you look close enough, maybe you can see the scars in his hands. Maybe if you look close enough, you can see all the scars on his back from the whips and from being up against a tree called the cross. 
If you look close enough, maybe he has scars even on his forehead when they shoved the crowns of thorns on top of his head. Maybe if you look close enough and you could see his side, there's an old puncture womb. Who is he to you today? Who is Christ to you? Oh, you know the Bible describes Jesus. It says his eyes are like fire. You look into his eyes this morning and he says, who am I to you? And his eyes are burning like they're on fire. The Bible says his hair is it's white like wool. His voice is the sound of many rushing water. His feet are like fine brass that's burning in a fire. To gaze into his face, the Bible says, is like staring, in the, staring into the sun in its strength. Now he's, he looks at every individual in here this morning with those eyes, with the hair, the feet, the scars, the piercings. And he wants to know, who am I to you? Who am I to you this morning? Oh, I wonder, who is he to us this morning? You know, if I think about Jesus this morning, and I think about him all the time, there's something I can't understand about him. I can't understand why the Lord Jesus would pursue me. I don't get that. I, I don't, I don't, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that he comes after me. I don't get that. See, because I've never had President Trump call me up. I've never had these VIPs shoot me a text. What you into today, Jason? What you thinking about, Jason? You got some time this afternoon to go get coffee? I've never had any of the VIPs shoot me a text and want to know my thoughts, my opinions. You got time you can spend with me? They never asked me if I got time to chat. You got time to talk? There's no famous people trying to meet with me. None of these sports athletes that people idolize are texting me. What are you into today? You got time to hang out? None of them ever wrote me a letter. None of them ever gave me a phone call. None of them have ever reached out to me. But yet the Bible says in Revelation 3.20, listen, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. We have this man who is God in the flesh telling us, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If any man hear my voice. So not only this scripture tells us. Not only does he stand and knock at the door of your heart. And it said if any man. It doesn't just say if a preacher reaches out. Or if a prophet reaches out. Or this good people. Any man hears his voice. So not only does he knock on the door of your heart. He's calling to you as well. Because it says if you hear his voice. So if you can picture this man I just briefly described with the scars on him. And, and his eyes are fire and all his feet are like brass. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And he's also calling to you with his voice. Jason, Jason, you got any time? You got some time to be with me today? 
I want to know you. I want you to know me. Let's, let's know each other. If you open, if you answer, I'll come into you and I'll sup with you. It's like you'll have a, a private dinner together. Man, you ever had a nice candlelight dinner with your lady? Oh, it's a great time of intimacy, isn't it? Just you and her. You can get to know her. You can talk. That's what Jesus wants with us. He said, hey, behold, I'm standing here. I'm knocking. I'm calling to you. We have this most important figure that has ever walked this earth is reaching out to us. I can't hardly understand it. Why does he, why does he want to bother with me? Why does he even want to bother with any of you? I don't see famous people coming after you guys. Who do you say that I am? I don't know why he'd even bother with me. But yet he does. This is what his Bible says. It says that he comes to me. He's reaching out to me. He reaches out to you. Or, without argue, the most important figure to ever walk the face of this earth comes after us. He comes after me. He beckons to you and I. He wants to be with you. He wants to know you on an intimate level. He wants you to know Him personally. Not know about Him. Not have read about Him. I, I have a hard time with this. Who am I that the centerpiece of mankind would want to be with me? Oh, man. The Bible says even the winds and the rain obey him. The disciple said when he walked on the water, he rebuked the sea and the wind and the rain. And the disciple said, what in the world, what kind of manner of man is this? That even the winds and the rain obey him. Can you see him this morning in front of you? With his arms stretched wide and he's saying, who am I to you? Who do you say that I am? I know what the world says, but what about you? My response to that is the same as the psalmist. Psalms 8, 4 says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? You see, the psalmist thought the same way as me. He couldn't figure it out. What in the world do you even bother with us for, Lord? We're only alive on this planet for a little while, then we're gone. Our flesh is like a flower grows up, blooms, and it's gone. That's what I am. That's what my life amounts to. It's like a vapor. Here for a little while, then it's gone. Why are you even bothering with me, Lord? But yet, the entirety of the Bible is this picture of this divine, grand being reaching down to us. Whew. I don't, I don't get it. Even Job says... What is man that thou should set thine heart upon him? All through the pages of this Bible, he's reaching out to us. All through the pages of this Bible, we have this divine being reaching down towards mankind. Yearning to know us. Yearning to be with us. That's all he wants. He wants your heart. 
He wants your love. He wants you to love Him and Him love you and to commune with you on an intimate level. Oh, man. Oh, I believe uh, many of you, oh, I'm sure, are familiar with, maybe from school or something, there's a painting in the top of the Sistine Chapel. I'm sure many of you have seen pictures of it. Matter of fact, uh, it's called the creation of Adam, or at least one part of it is called the creation of Adam. Uh, if you walk out those doors after church, these back doors here in the sanctuary, and you walk straight, you'll walk into a small replica of it. Okay, it's the creation of Adam, and Michelangelo painted this. And if you saw, now we just have a small segment of it, but if you saw the whole thing, go home and Google it sometime if you're unfamiliar with it. But Michelangelo painted this, and if you could see it in its entirety, it's God, his depiction of God, surrounded by angels, and it's God reaching down, and he's reaching, he's stretched all the way out. His finger is pointing, and he's trying to touch Adam, or depiction of man. If you could see Adam's position, he's actually laying there. He's kind of laying, kicked back with his hand on his knee, not reaching at all towards God. He has a somewhat relaxed pose. He has a somewhat indifferent attitude towards, if I touch God, I touch him. If I don't, I don't. To me, that just captures it. That captures what the Bible's trying to say. The Bible is a love story from Genesis to Revelation of God reaching, stretching, trying to touch mankind. And mankind, eh, if I touch him, I do. If I don't, I don't. I, I got a football game to watch. I got to go to work. I got a career to build. I got money to make. If I touch him, I touch him. If I don't, I don't. Brothers and sisters, this book is, is God's message, love message towards man, not man towards God. The whole book is God reaching down towards man. Take a look at that after the service this morning. Take a quick glimpse at it. All you'll see is their hands. Maybe Google the photo sometime and look at the whole photo. Adam doesn't even look like he cares if he touches God or not. You know what I think? I think this whole book is a love story. It is. Who, who is he to you this morning? Who is Jesus? Who is this man? Do you hear him calling you? Do you ever hear him knocking? Do you? Is he... Someone you used to love? Is he someone you used to be passionate about? Is he a good idea? Yeah, this church thing's a good idea. There's great folks here. Heaven sounds like a good place. It's a good idea. Is that what he is to you? Is he a historical figure? Someone that lived long ago, now he's gone, now we talk about him. Is he an insurance policy? Yeah, I, I'll confess his name just in case. Is he someone you've read about? Is he just someone you always hear the preacher telling you about? Who is he to you this morning? Because here he is, church. Here he is. 
This is what this whole Bible is all about. Is he your ticket to heaven? Does he represent hope? Does he represent forgiveness? Who is he to you this morning? Was he just a magician? Is he a king? Who is he to you? I was talking with a man last week, just out here in the lobby. And this man told me just a little bit of his story. And he said to me, I think he said when he was around 10 years old, his parents divorced. And he said that that led to him being very confused about life. He was confused. And the, the confusion led to experience, ex, excuse me, experimentation with substances. The experimentation with substances led to addiction. The addiction led to bondage, and then the devil had him on the road to perdition. Had him, lost, trapped, snared, substance abuse, had him, got him, another statistic. Gonna be dead soon. Chalk up another divorce, chalk up another dead soul. This is what this man told me, and then he looked at me and he said, You know what delivered me? I said, What? And this man looked me in the eyes and he didn't waver. He didn't beat around the bush like this. He didn't glance away when he said it. He looked me in the eyes and said, you know what delivered me? Jesus. That's what he said. Here he is today serving the Lord because Jesus. He said to me, not rehab. Wasn't rehab. No friends. People slip back into it all the time. And they do. They slip back into it. It wasn't the counseling. It was Jesus. See, even when we're made a mess out of our life, trapped into substance abuse or whatever the, the enemy device gets us, he's still there knocking and calling to you. Jesus Christ set this man free. I love hearing that. I love hearing that we even heard a testimony this morning. Who is Jesus to you this morning? Who is He? I hear Him calling to me all the time. All the time. And that's not just a pastor's call. He calls to men and women. He calls to our teenagers, our children. It's just too hard to hear him anymore with all the noise that goes on in this world. So much junk that the enemy throws at us. You can't hear him. That's what it is. He's there. You just can't hear him. Jesus one time went into the synagogue and he flipped to the book of Isaiah and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he shut the book and walked and sat down. What an awesome man. Who is this man that can walk up into these Jewish synagogues saying the things that he said? Touching blind people, making them see. Raising the dead, making the lame walk. Who is He to you this morning? 
Who is Christ to you today? Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, back to our original text. He had asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Listen to Simon Peter's answer. Matthew 16, 16 says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a pretty good answer. Simon Peter got it right. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know Peter's answer captures what Christianity is. Though it's a short answer, it captures it. Because Peter's words are a declaration. Peter's words are a confession. It's been revealed to Peter. Peter, I, Peter said, you're the Christ. That's what Jesus wants. He wants us to know who he is. That was the right answer. It was the right response. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Correct answer. Can you say that this morning? Can you say, Jason, he's Christ to me, the Son of the living God. He doesn't say, well, we're thinking, we're leaning towards believing that you're Christ. So far, things check out. There was no guesswork in his response. It was, this is what you are to me, Lord, the Christ, the one we seek. The one the Old Testament tells us about. That's who you are. Elsewhere in the Bible, in the book of John, Simon Peter gives another good response to something Jesus says. Jesus gives this very difficult lesson he teaches one time. And he has all these disciples, not just the twelve, he has a bunch of them. And he teaches this lesson on him being the bread of life. And in that lesson, uh, no, won't bring it all up, won't go through the whole thing, but Jesus goes through some difficult things. He even says, you have to drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. Now, it was a tough lesson. Many of his disciples said, yep, thanks, Jesus. I'll talk to you later. And they left. After that, he revealed that he was the bread of life. And he said those things. Many of his disciples said, adios, Jesus. I wish you the best, but I'll talk to you later. Well, John chapter 6, verse 66, we'll, we'll pick up reading. Right after he gives that lesson, right after all those guys says, see you later, Jesus. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They left. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. That's all that's left is these twelve. Jesus says to them, will you also go away? You going to leave too? What are you going to do? Who am I to you? Listen to Simon Peter. He gets it right again. Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, where shall we go? You got the words of eternal life. You see his attitude? What else am I going to do, Lord? What do you expect me to What do you want me to do? I got nothing else. You're all I got. Is that? Let me ask you this. Is that your attitude this morning towards Christ? If he looks at you this morning and says, who do you say that I am? Can you say, I don't have anything else, Jesus. You're all I got. You're everything. I don't want anything else in this life. You've got the words of life, Lord. There's nothing else for me. There's nothing else for me. What am I going to go do, Lord? 
I've already heard you. I've seen you. I know who you are. It's been revealed to me who you are. You're Christ. You're the Christ. The Son of the living God. There's nothing else for me. I don't want anything else in this life. I don't need anything else. I don't require anything else. I got what I want. Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, Peter gets it right. He's got it. We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do we have that same attitude? Could we give that same response this morning to Christ who stands before every one of us? Oh, what do you mean, Lord? Where else would I go? What else would I do? You've got the words of life. Brothers and sisters, once it's revealed who Christ is, that should be everything. That's it. That's what I need. That's what I've been looking for. We should have that same attitude. Don't want anything else. Don't want the ways of the world. They don't appeal to me anymore. All the stuff and things, they don't appeal to me anymore. Why? Because I found the pearl of great price. I found that one thing that I was looking for in the man, Jesus Christ. I got the pearl of great price. I'm done. My search is over. I got it. Uh, Let's go back to our original text again, Matthew 16. I want to read the whole thing over again. It says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now let's look at Jesus' response to what Peter said. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Brothers and sisters, flesh and blood can't reveal Jesus to you. You can't know him in your brain. You can't figure him out in your brain. It only is a revelation from God. That's the only place you get the knowledge of Christ to know who he is. Thou art the Christ. It only comes through revelation of God. Having His Spirit in you. You can't figure out Jesus with your intellect. You can't figure out Jesus by reading about Him. You can't even figure out who Jesus is by having me preach Him to you. you got to know who He is for yourself on an intimate level. Having Him revealed by my Father which is in heaven. Only God can come and open your eyes and show you who He is. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Your flesh can't know who Jesus is. Doesn't even want to know who He is. It can only be spiritually discerned. Only when you have the Spirit of the living God dwelling in you can you have this community with Christ, this intimacy intimacy with Christ. Your brother said to me the other day, Oh, the difference 
between knowing of Him and knowing Him. I'm not asking you if you know of Him this morning. Everybody's heard of Jesus. All the world, they know who Jesus is. I'm not asking if you know of Him. I'm asking if you know Him on that intimate level. Do you know Him? Who is He to you this morning? Oh, the difference it makes between knowing of Him and knowing Him. If I could invite the band back up. And and band, Rod, if there's any way we could play that Jesus song again, that would be great. I I love that song, Jesus. Just saying that name over and over and over again. Who is Christ to you today? Listen to me. What is the cross worth to you? What is it worth? What's the value of Jesus' blood to you? What's, What's this Bible worth to you? Is it everything? Could you look at Christ and say, it's everything to me. I got nothing else outside of this. It's everything. If I have, don't have this, I don't have anything. What does, listen to me, what does the empty tomb mean to you? Does that mean everything? To me, it means everything. If there's no resurrection, I got no hope. I got no hope of making it out of my grave. I know I'm going to die. But if there's no resurrection, if these words aren't true, I can't make it off this planet. I'm doomed. These things, these words in this Bible should mean everything. Everything. Listen, what do the red letters mean to you this morning? Those red letters, the ones found in the Gospels, What do they mean to you when you read them? Do they strike your heart? Right in the heart, right in the secret chambers of your heart. What do the red letters mean to you? They should mean everything. If we could turn these lights down, please. I'll invite you all to please stand as we sing. I want to open these altars. Listen, if there's a single person in here that does not know Jesus on an intimate level, Come and know Him this morning. If there's anyone that used to know Him on an intimate level, but now you've grown cold, come and know Him this morning. Not know about Him. Know Him this morning. Come down and know Him. That's all He wants. He wants to know you. Brothers and sisters, I implore you, open the door of your heart, for He knocks, for He calls. To you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.